the Holy Gospel as written for us by St. Matthew, the fourth chapter. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him again, It is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, All these I will give you, if you fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. This is the good news of our Lord. Please be seated. And at this time, my friends Tom and Watney would like to invite the children to come and join us. Hello. T-Cat. The T stands for temptation. Ooh, that's a big word. Are you going to explain what it means? Well, I'm going to use Watney to do that in a moment. But first, I want to compliment Pastor Ben on his shirt, that he has a cat on his shirt. That should be commended. Um, um, what, what, what does Ohio State have? They have a Buckeye. Ah, um, Anybody have a poodle, like a toy poodle? That would be a great mascot for a football team, toy poodle. Yeah, people would kick it like a football. That would be good. So, hello, hello, hello. We're going to talk about temptation. Ooh, doesn't that sound like a scary word? So let's try that again. Temptation. You go, ooh, doesn't that sound like a scary word? You ready? One, two, three. Temptation. Ooh, doesn't that sound like a scary word? Well, actually, Tom, it is a scary word. Oh, what's so scary about temptation? You want me to tell you a little secret? Here's what you do. When you're tempted, Tom, don't you think we had to say what temptation means first? 
Ah, you can do that if you want, but you're getting in the way of my children's sermon. So, so Watney, what does temptation mean? Ooh, good question. Um, um, well, you know you had Girl Scout cookies at home? Yes. Remember how you had four boxes? Yes. You have four boxes, but they're empty. Um, they're not empty. They were full last night. Um, you went to bed? Yes. And I was hungry, and I was tempted to eat all the cookies. So you know how I dealt with that? I ate all the cookies. Well, I hope you feel bad about that. Well, I did get a tummy ache. The wages of sin is an upset stomach. There you go. So that's the children's sermon. This is not the children's sermon. We're not done. So, Watney, you just decided to eat all the cookies. Yep, I did. I was hungry, and they taste good. There you go. Um, that, by the way, anybody like Girl Scout cookies? Feed them to your dog. That's all I tell you. Um, so, Tom, what is temptation? Temptation is when you think you want to do something, but you shouldn't do it, but that's what it is. Okay, so how do we deal with temptation? Oh, that's easy. Just do it. Uh, Tom, where did you get that idea? Nike commercials. There you go. Uh, Tom, that is a terrible children's sermon. So, let me ask you this. Sometimes we do feel like we want to do something and we know better. I was in second grade, and they said once we finished our worksheet, we could go out and play. And so I did a really bad worksheet, because I wanted to go out and play. And you know what I did when I turned it in? I wrote somebody else's name on it. So guess what? I was tempted, and I did the wrong thing. Well, you know what happened? I didn't want the other kid to get in trouble. I just didn't want to get in trouble. But the teacher knew my handwriting. So guess what she made me do? I had to stay in during recess and do the worksheet again. Let me share with you. Like when we do things, it's sort of like how my teacher knew my handwriting. God knows us. But I also want to say this. Have you ever done anything wrong? By the way, you might want to look before you put on your sneakers when you get home. Ah, yes, me, me, me. We've all done something wrong, right? Big kids, raise your paws if you've ever done anything wrong and you knew better. Yep, that, that's true for all of us. Guess what? God doesn't want us to do wrong, but God always forgives us no matter what. Will you forgive me for the cookies? I guess so. I won't, but you may. Ah, to err is human, to forgive is divine, to get revenge is feline. There you go. Uh, Tom, you're giving the wrong lesson. We don't get revenge either. We try to forgive just like God forgives us. So, tell you what. So, Tom, T-cat. T stands for temptation. Just remember, temptation is that feeling like you're going to want to do something even though you know better than to do it. And when you are tempted, just remember, don't eat all the cookies without sharing them with your cat. Okay, I think. Why don't we say a prayer together? Yeah. Okay, let's put our paws together and pray. Lord God, thank you for your love, loving us all the time. Whether we're doing right or wrong, you love us always. In Jesus' name, amen. 
thank you all. Do they get the... Uh... Oh, yeah. oh, boy! We should make sure... By the way, those are fish. You should share those with your cat. <laughs> they're not real fish. They're gummy fish. <laughs> oh, hi. Hi. By the way, I, you guys are great. Hello, cat. Hello. What's your name? Tom T. Cat. Hi, I'm Diana. Good to meet you. And that's Watney T-Dog. The T stands for the. He's Watney the dog. Hi, dog. Hello. Hello. Hi. Bye-bye. And remember, if your cat at home doesn't talk, that means they got their own tongue. Cat got their tongue. Got it. Ha. I would like to just say, as we begin, first of all, I just want to say thank you. I'm director for Evangelical Mission for the Lower Susquehanna Synod, and I'm not sure how many of you noticed this about yourselves, but you are a very generous congregation, a very giving congregation, and a very loving congregation. And what you do really matters. What you do matters to God. What you do matters for the kingdom of God. You are changing lives. You are nurturing people in faith. You are absolutely living into the gospel of Jesus Christ. So thank you for that partnership. My thanks to Pastor Ben for being so faithful in what he does. And faithful enough to even wear a shirt. What did you call it? Uh, something. Yes, but to wear that shirt for the right reason. So, uh, thank you. And I'd like to invite us to pray. And gracious God, bless us now as we ponder your word. We ask that your word would take root in our hearts and our lives, that you would challenge us, change us, transform us, make us anew to be the people we are meant to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, sports fans, I notice. You have some Penn State people. We have some Ohio State. Imagine a few other things thrown in. I'm going to share with you, I grew up in New York. And I grew up, by the way, in our ha growing up, the Yankees in the spring, in the summer, sometimes in the fall, they were on all the time. I grew up as a Yankees fan. And, but I have to tell you this, two things. Number one, my least favorite Yankee was Mickey Mantle. Here's why. Because when I was a kid growing up, Mickey Mantle was always used to try to get me to eat my vegetables. And so my family would say, don't you want to grow up to be like Mickey Mantle? And I was like, if it means eating this, no. On the other hand, there was Yogi Berra, who was my favorite Yankee of all time. He actually had retired before I was born, but here's what I loved about Yogi. He did ads for YooHoo, and I loved YooHoo. So I thought, you know, if you're going to have a role model, 
you should have a role model who drinks Yoohoo. And thus Yogi Berra, to this day, one of my heroes. The other thing I loved about Yogi was how he talked. And I don't know how many of you remember Yogi Berra, but he had this wonderful way of saying things and telling these wonderful stories. And it would catch my imagination as a kid. So one of my favorite Yogi stories. 1972. Yogi was on his way to the Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, New York. And I will add that this day was very special. You see, Yogi had been to the Hall of Fame many times. He was there when his friends were inducted into the Hall of Fame. He was there to celebrate some of the great moments of his career. But this day was special for two reasons. Number one, this was the day that he was going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Biggest honor you could have as a baseball player. But it was noteworthy for another reason. He got lost. And so he had his wife and his three young sons in the back seat, and his wife next to him, and he's driving, and he was flying down the road with no idea where he was going. And his wife said, you got lost Today, of all days, you got lost? And, and, you know, he could have looked at a map, he could have stopped for directions, but all he did was drive down the road as fast as he could. And she said, how can you get lost today? And he said, well, we might be lost, but we're making good time. <laughs> I like the wisdom of that, don't you? By the way, any of you ever get lost? Get good and lost? When my wife and I first got married, she, she remarked that I was directionally challenged. Part of this was that we would go places, and I would say to her, and she would sit next to me, and I'd say, so what do we do? And she'd say, you turn here. And, and then we'd go past the same place, and I'd say, what happens here? She says, we turn here. And it was, we, this would go on, and after a few months, she got tired of me asking the same directions every time. And, but I didn't have to learn because she was next to me, and why would I bother? But she pointed out that I was directionally challenged, which is sort of really scary and depressing when you realize that I studied navigation at the Coast Guard Academy. <laughs> Didn't say I was good at it. Um, but in our early years of marriage, we had a fair amount of time getting lost. Over time, I learned to read a map, which was a good thing. And now I have a GPS, which is a better thing. I turn on the GPS and I don't have to think at all. And some days it even leads me where I want to go. But you know, I think we've all had good stories of getting lost somewhere. But you know what's far worse than getting lost when you're out in your car someplace? Are those times where we get lost in our lives. Do you ever have one of those times? Those times where life just seems to be overwhelming? And it could be a time of heartbreak. Or it could be a time where we've just overcommitted ourselves, overscheduled ourselves, or somehow we've just found this way to get in over our head. It happens to the best of us, plain and simple. I think sometimes 
the word temptation. We would like to think, you know, sometimes people make it a joke that it's the dessert card at the diner. Or other folks would make it seem as though it's that simple decision between good and evil, right and wrong. But oftentimes temptation is about a choice between what is good and what is best. Or sometimes it's that time where you have to make a choice between two bad options, but you need to choose which is the most faithful in that moment. If temptation were clearly marked, life might be simpler. But I think still our hearts would sometimes lead us astray. Our gospel reading this morning is this absolutely wonderful, colorful story that captures our imagination. And I will add, there, there's, you know, this, if you ever go to some of the art museums, you'll see pictures of the temptation of Jesus. And, and in some of the classic pictures, they show the devil with the horns and the tail. And wouldn't it be great if the devil showed up that way? You know, if the devil showed up that way, you would know to be scared and you'd know to run the other way. But I believe that if the devil appears to us, the devil might look like our mirror image, far more subtle and far more dangerous. Well, here's what happens with Jesus. Jesus is baptized by John in the Jordan River, and as he comes up, the heavens are torn apart. The Spirit descends like a dove and rests on him. A voice comes down from heaven, this is my Son, the Beloved with whom I am well pleased. And now, blessed by God, filled with the Spirit, Jesus is led into the wilderness, and he fasts for 40 days, 40 nights. And at the end of 40 days, he's famished, starved. And it's at this point when he's at his lowest ebb that the devil shows himself and says, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. And you realize how, you know, is there anything wrong with bread? Is there anything wrong with a hungry person being fed? And you realize the devil questions Jesus' very identity. But here's the danger of this. If Jesus chooses to turn stones into bread to feed his hunger, he's also choosing to trust in himself rather than in his Father. And for any one of us, if we go through life trusting in our own strength, our own power, sooner or later we find out it's not enough. So Jesus rejects the temptation and says, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So now the devil tempts Jesus a second time, takes him to the pinnacle of the temple, and says, throw yourself down. God's angels will catch you. By the way, here's the temptation here. Would you like instant fame and success? Would that be kind of cool? When I was in Washington Elementary School, I got an O in art. Every marking period, I got an O. Outstanding. You had U, unsatisfactory, S, satisfactory, or O, 
outstanding. And I was an O, outstanding in art. So I got this idea when I was in fourth or fifth grade that I would become a professional artist. And my thought on this was, I didn't know what I would do as an artist, but I figured if I got to be a professional artist and I was famous, I would be on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. <laughs> By the way, that's the wrong motivation for art, I might add. I'd never watched The Tonight Show, I just thought it would be cool to be on it, and that would be my dream. And you realize we do things for the wrong reasons? You know, recognition, to be affirmed in some way. Jesus tosses, if Jesus jumps off the temple, the angels rescue him. He can avoid three years of hard travel throughout Galilee. He can avoid all the arguments with all the scribes and the Pharisees. He can avoid a cross. Instant glory, instant fame. And yet that's not God's way. And he answers, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Third time he's tempted, and this time the devil takes him to the top of a very high mountain, shows him all the kingdoms in the world and all their glory, and he says, I'll give all of these to you. Silver platter. Just worship me. By the way, you know, you don't have to do the full worship service. You can just nod your head a little bit. Your father might not even be watching. You get away with it, just be you and me. Just bend your heart a little bit more in my direction. And that's, I think, perhaps the most dangerous one of all. It said where our treasure is, our heart will be also. But I would also add, oftentimes our hearts lead us astray. Third time, Jesus says that we shall worship the Lord our God and serve only him. And then the devil departs. But I think the devil's always closer than we might like to imagine, always hiding in the shadow of our hearts and our souls, in those dark places within us. Here are the problems with this story. You ready? I think the number one is that sometimes we would hear this story and we would admire Jesus because he resisted the devil at every turn. And we get to stand back and we get to be fans of Jesus. We get to admire Jesus. But here's what I'd like to say. That's not the purpose of the story. The purpose of the story is to allow us to recognize our own temptations. The things that tempt me may be different than the temptations you have in your daily life. Temptation is always going to take a different form for each of us. But here's what I want us to notice. Temptation is always attractive, otherwise it wouldn't be temptation. And the other part of it, though, is that we're not just supposed to admire Jesus, but follow Jesus. And following him means that as close as we are to God, the devil's never far behind. Another thing I would want to lift up is I want you to notice how Jesus deals with temptation at every turn. And he's rooted in God's word, God's promise, God's love. And we need to do the same. Um, remember Troy Palamau, Pittsburgh Steelers? Great player. You can disagree about which team you root for. 
but great player, right? Also a devout Christian. And he shared that as a football player, there were all sorts of temptations. And some of them were pretty flashy temptations. He said the more dangerous ones were more subtle. It was where your ego got a little bit too big. It was those places where you resented someone for outplaying you. And you'd nurse that grudge or that ego. And you know that's how it happens for any of us, isn't it? Those small, subtle things. And he said the way that he dealt with it was actually prayer. He needed prayer to be the mirror in which he saw his life anew through the eyes of God. This Lenten season, let me share with you at the heart of it. God does not need Lent, but we do. Lent is about simplifying our lives. It's about rediscovering who we are, whose we are. It is about living into our truest, deepest calling to be the people we're meant to be. It is about following Christ and discovering anew that even when we fall, God's love, God's mercy will lift us anew. Thanks be to God who has called us to be God's own people in this time, in this place, and forever. Amen.